0: Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnit.org.
1: He's placed us where he's placed us, and he has stuff he wants to do in and through us. Paul famously tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 that whatever we do in life, it's meant to glorify God. It's meant to bring glory to God in every aspect of our life. Jesus did it as he walked on planet Earth. And he may have been uh, uh, in the temple at age 12 or just a carpenter's son learning a trade from his, from his dad, Joseph, or as he began his ministry, and we have those three years of his, of his ministry on planet Earth, uh, he brought glory to God in everything he did. Sometimes it was in simply stepping away and having a, a time of prayer and communion with God. Sometimes it was healing. Uh someone or calling somebody from death to life literally as they came out of the tomb or might have been just teaching amazing things to a group of people on a hillside but he always brought purpose uh because he he brought glory to god there was purpose in the role that jesus had for him and so we live that out and one of the exciting things we're in right now of course we're in 2022 and um and we're looking forward to everything that's ahead of us and for as a church uh, we're looking at the landscape of the, the area around us and it's growing like leaps and bounds because, of course, everybody wants to live here, right? Because it's a smart thing to want to live in the, in the area, in the county, in the Highland Lakes area. And so as we look at that, we're looking at, we're looking at everything new that's coming and we're going, Lord, do you have something new or renewed or reformed and refashioned for us as Hill Country Fellowship? So what we want to do is we want to invite you in a few weeks to what we're calling a value use and Vision Workshop. Is that what it's called? It's going to go up here. Value, Vision, and Values Workshop. I almost got those two right. So uh, we've been working for a number of months as a as a team and then as a staff, uh, looking at some some strategies and plans and 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 targets and different things uh, as a church. But what we want to do is we want to invite the church to be a part of that. And so here's what we want to do on. On Saturday, February 5th, from 8 to, to noon, we're going to have food, we're going to have breakfast tacos, we're going to have uh, Continental Breakfast Plus, good old Texas breakfast tacos there for you to start the day. And we're going to spend time as, as, as a church going, okay, Lord, what do you have for us? What do you have from us? What do you want? Who do you want us to, to be as far as with all the growth happening? And we're going to begin to formulate some things. So if you're a leader in this church, Uh, If you see yourself as a leader in this church, if you volunteer and serve anywhere, if you want to volunteer and serve anywhere, if this is your first day and you're like, I'd like to get in on that, you are invited. We want people to come and help formulate what God's doing from Hill Country Fellowship for the community. And then, of course, we, we... do our best to reach the global community as we as we're involved in world missions all around the globe but we want you to be a part of that so come on that Saturday Uh, by a workshop we're not going to give you a ton of like take-home work it's not going to be tests Uh, you're not going to sweat unless like the salsa is too hot on the tacos (laughs) but we want you there so would you come and be a part of the of the uh, values and vision workshop, vision and values, whichever way it's written, uh, would you come and be a part of that, uh, and, and it really fits in well as we launch the, kind of the promo of it today because we're looking at purpose in our role, and as a church there's a purpose in our role, we're a church family, at the same time that we're a church family, we're a church body, so we move as one, all these unique parts, and they are unique, uh, but we're one body, just like your body. Is all unique parts. I mean, we all know that the 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 big toe isn't the thumb, isn't the tongue, isn't the uh, hair, isn't the balding spot on top of the head. Isn't they're all unique parts of one body, but they function together uh, as one. And so we, as a church body, we function as one, and we're looking for what's our purpose and the role that you have for us, God. And that's even what we're excited about today with membership uh, happening after after church today. Just letting people know who we are as Hill Country Fellowship and where we came from and, and what God's really put on our hearts as far as uh, missions and being involved in community and that fellowship and discipleship growth and becoming more like Jesus so that, so that people will be drawn to us because of the Jesus in us, that we lift him high as a banner and all men will be drawn going, What's going on over there? Why is there such life and such joy and such excitement in the midst of a world that's spinning uh, crazily right now? And we can say, Jesus. And so I invite you, uh, if you're wondering about HCF and you're you're thinking about coming to membership, come and just hear more about us and and eat a good meal with us and, and see what the Lord puts on your heart as far as joining this family and being a part of this body that happens right after church today. Now, as followers of Jesus... Every one of us has a role, and it's always major. Every role, no matter what it is, is always major in following Jesus. Because the point is, Jesus, it's not a title. Now, it might not feel major to you in a place where you are right now, but it is. It might pale when you compare it to something else or someone else. But here's the thing, God never compares it to anything. Because God says, uh, that's what I want you to do, so it's number one. And then for this person, it'd say, that's what I got for you to do, and that's number one. And for you, I got this for you to do, and there's nothing more important on the planet. Because God doesn't compare anything at all. He just designs and designs and designs. And he says, walk in my design, and you will have a fulfilled and abundant life. He's designed and chosen each one of us for this one thing that he has for us, at least right now, because the one thing, it could change later on. He might move you here or or do this or or call you over here or call you into this. Who knows what it is, but we live it out and then we see what comes as we keep our eyes up and we stay focused on what what Jesus has for us and how we can become more like Jesus. As you and I live fulfilled and satisfied in the role he has for you as he as he has for me and and as I live satisfied and fulfilled in what he has coming from me I'll discover purpose in my role. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 Paul writes this and a lot of us have heard this in in different forms um, talking about a masterpiece and, and him being a craftsman. Paul writes God saved you By his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You're a masterpiece. When you're transformed, when I've been transformed by grace, we become this new creation. And we begin to, to live out all that he has for us. And we begin to, to change into the very image of Jesus so that we can do the good works he's planned for us long ago. And, and here's the cool thing. These works that Paul talks about here, they aren't the reason for salvation. But works are the result of salvation. I do nothing to earn salvation. But by my works I show, I prove that the salvation that Jesus gave me is true because I'm different now. I, don't, I should not look like Scott did all those years ago pre-Jesus. So to put it another way, works, the stuff coming from our lives in the role that God has for us proves the work of Jesus. And Paul says here in 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 verse 9, that believers have no grounds for boasting about how they became a child of God. Not wisdom, not morality, not your awesomeness, uh, not your effort, nothing to boast about on our own. Only what Jesus has done in us. That's what we boast about. I boast about Jesus' work on the cross. I boast about him going, like Stendis said, yes, but but I hung on the cross, so you're good to go. Every ounce of a Christian's being must give absolute adoration to God for all he is. That's, that's the first part of the great commandment, love God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love God. And then, and then from that comes the, the second one that flows from that as we, as we love other people. Our works flow from our love of God and for God, and then we bless others in whatever way He has us. It, it might be that the, the, the main thing He has in your role right now is that you be a light in the darkness of the place where you work. It may be that, that you're a student in college or you're a student in, in, in a public school setting, and, and there are people, maybe they don't mean to be dark, but there's darkness because they're lost, and you're a light. And, and the world says, conform, 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 do what they do, be part of the crowd, and you go, you know what, I'm going to stand out, because I'm going to be like a light shining in darkness, I'm going to be a, a lighthouse in the midst of a stormy sea of, of high school or, or of middle school. Your, your purpose where you shine and where you, where you love others because of your love for God might just be in your home. You're raising one or two or five kids. And so your role right now is, I'm going to be Jesus for these right here so they can grow up and know him personally and, and intimately and, and their salvation can, can actually be traced back to what, what I did as a, as a parent. Or maybe you're a grandparent raising your kid. What you did as a grandparent raising your grandchild that that can be traced back and that's the purpose in your role where God has you. God's masterpiece transformation of Christians from death to life, that's basically what Paul's talking about in verse 10 there. It's meant to result in good works towards everyone around us, wherever he leads us, wherever he places us, whoever he brings into our path, out of a sheer gratitude and gratefulness and and. And love of God for what He's done in my life, I'm able just to love people and be compassionate to people. Sometimes people are hard to be compassionate towards, right? Some some of you at work, it's like it's hard to have grace towards those people. It's hard not to want to, to exact revenge or act the way they do, just do it well, or you know, whatever it might be that you struggle with. It's difficult. Yeah. It is. That's why by the power of the Holy Spirit in you is the only way you can do that. You're, you're, you've been placed there by God. Those people are lost either in just sheer darkness and, and ignorance or maybe in pain and hate. And God has placed you there because you're the only light that they're going to see in this period of time. Your role is the role of Jesus in their lives. So we must know the designer And the way he designed it all for us individually. I look to you instead of saying, God, why won't you? Anybody ever, why won't you to God? Three of us have, with only three. uh, (laughs) Seriously, I might say that weekly um, uh, on a good week, right? Uh, Why won't you? Why did you? Why can't you? And he's going, just God, look at me. And let go of your, of your preconceived notions and, and your fleshly desires and see me for what I have. I rescued you where you were. I just want to use you to be a light in the darkness. When he does those kinds of things and he speaks to me and, 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 and I hear him say, I've got a plan for lost people around you. I don't get so frantic. And I'm like, okay, there's purpose here. There's purpose here. It's not about me either a lot of us need to hear that it's not about you it's not about me it's about Jesus and what Jesus wants to do from me and in me and for others because of my life live for him if we want to find real purpose in the role we have in life we've got to know the designer and the way he designed it for each of us there's a story in in the book of Exodus about uh Moses and his father-in-law Jethro which is a great name by the way I always think of uh, what was the was the show? Beverly Hillbillies, right? Um, Yeah, there we go. Got a woo for Beverly Hillbillies. (coughs) Wow. Um, But Jethro, uh, of course, if you don't know the story, Moses was. Hebrew, but he's put in the basket so that, because the, the Egypt was killing all the babies because they, they wanted to get rid of the presumed deliverer, so they're killing all the babies two years old and, and under, and he's, they find him in a basket, and he gets adopted into the very household in Egypt of the pharaoh. He's raised as a pharaoh's son, so he's raised to be the leader of this nation. Um, along the way, this whole story plays out, and, uh, and he realizes he is called by, by God to be different, but on the way out the door, in essence, he, he he kills an Egyptian and he runs away to the backside of the desert and he's hiding. Well, he gets married. His father-in-law is has a, a lot of sheep, and so Moses becomes a shepherd for him, and then later he goes and he becomes the deliverer of Israel. And so that he's led all these people out, and and they've gone, and and so as we pick up this story in, in Exodus 18, Moses had been taking the time to to listen to every dispute for everybody individually so there's over a million adults so every day he'd basically set up a dispute table and a judgment table he'd hear them all a million adults that doesn't include I guess kids probably didn't get to bring their complaints but but he had to do this and so his father-in-law is watching this take place every single day and and he asks him what are you really accomplishing here like Moses, what are you thinking? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening because you're taking care of a million people's disputes? And Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God, I'm the one who settles the case. This isn't good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. Uh, You know, get a clue would be probably what, what we'd read today. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me, and let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. You should continue to lead them and train them in the ways of God. That's what his father-in-law tells him. He says, select some capable, honest men to solve the common disputes. Place them over different groups of people, over different numbers. If you follow this advice and if God commands you to do so, then you'll be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law who returned to his own land. So Jethro's counsel, it helps Moses as a leader. It helps set up basically leadership uh, you know, program to raise up other leaders in this new, newly formed, uh, set free nation. And it also blessed all the people. He was wearing himself out, we read. He was unable to get to everything. Basically, he just sat there all day long. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like. He had lost purpose in his role because he was playing the be all end all role. He, he wasn't Whether he didn't go to God with it, uh, we we don't really know. But but he was playing this role of, I've got to do everything. And so Jethro comes along and he gives him this great advice. This man who had taught him to be a shepherd also gives him advice on how to delegate, in essence, and raise up new leaders. Moses was meant to be a conduit for the people. A lot of us, we know what PVC pipe is and conduit pipes, right? You got this... This is a nice piece. Uh, most of mine was like the flimsy white stuff. Uh, so I got this from Pastor Mark. And we know what a, what a conduit is, whatever you, you know, whether you're moving liquids from here to there or you're, you're putting in a bunch of uh, cables and keeping them protected. A conduit moves something from one place to another without it spilling all over the place, right? Like here's Bill Perry right on the front row. If this was longer and I wanted to get Bill Perry wet, I could get this right in his face, pour the water in and it would hit Bill. I'd get the water... From where it need from the source to where it needed to go, right? But Moses was meant to be this conduit, and what he did, he basically said, "I got so many other things to do. I just, I just can't, I can't give Jesus, I can't give God away to my people because I'm busy." So he put the conduit on the side, and it's just spilling all over the place. He was meant to be a vessel, a a, a PVC pipe for God to get God's word to his people and he stopped it up either stopped it up or he stood it up or he removed it from the source but he got off track he got off track from taking what was needed from the source to those in need of it he lost sight he he pulled away and it was a mess I think Jethro is this truly amazing character in the Bible we don't See a lot about him. He kind of shows up in two places and we never really see him again. I think he's one of the most overlooked, spectacular characters in the Bible. He taught Moses how to shepherd. And then Moses goes on and he leads people out of, out of captivity into what would become the promised land eventually that Joshua would lead them into. But he shepherds probably a million and a half, two million people. His father-in-law taught him how to be a shepherd and then his father-in-law gives him the idea about delegating, thus creating this on-the-job training program for new leadership in this country that had always been in captivity or this many years, so they didn't have any leadership program really because they were just prisoners. And all of a sudden there's this new leadership program for this country on the move. Not too shabby of a legacy that Jethro leads us leaves us, he had two main things that barely show up in the Old Testament, yet he was foundational in the structuring and growth of a nation that still exists today. He lived out the purpose in the role given by God. He was the PVC pipe he needed to be. And he wasn't like, oh, I want to I wanna lead. Oh, I want to go back home. Uh, I want to I wanna do this, I want to do that. No, his role was, I'm going to help him become a shepherd because I can do that. And I'm going to teach him how to be a proper leader because I understand that. He found purpose in his role. A lot of people will be like, wow, well, what's the big deal about a guy who shepherded and who gave a guy one piece of advice? The big deal is this. He taught a new leader spectacular things in, in leading other people. The role God has you in at any given moment is to bring Him glory and to bless other people. And if you don't feel it is, you need to have some time with God going, i got to settle this in my heart. You're always going to be right, so help me get on the, on the right you know, path with you. I want to be real. I want to like ignore this. I want to talk to you about it. But, but Lord, this is where my heart is. Can you help bring me into the place where I look to you and I trust you in all of this. Just be a PVC pipe for Jesus, for his work to be done and for glory to go to him. I mean, it's strong, it's durable, it's, it's easy to move around. It's, I love PVC pipe because it's like one of the simplest things to use. Easy to cut, easy to fit. I mean, if it's like, well, I need five more pieces, man, you just couple them together and do that. It's, it's such a great product because it can be used for so many things be a pvc pipe for jesus and on that note i want to bring up our pvc pipe pastor uh for the lack of a better phrase uh, pastor mark's going to come up here and share something with us um talk about someone who's useful in so many different ways uh and he's actually the one that gave me the pvc pipe so uh mark has a story he's going to share as a part of our message today so i'm going to turn it over to pastor mark and and then uh, i'll be back up in a moment
0: I've followed a lot of things, but never in PVC pipe introduction. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's different. Um, About 15 years ago, I was convicted uh, by uh, a scripture that I'd probably read a million times, but suddenly in the situation I found myself, uh, it it took on a whole new meaning, and that's Ezekiel 2230. Uh, And in that scripture, God says, I looked for a man to stand in the gap for the people that I might not have to destroy the land. And I thought, how tragic. If I was ever in a spot where God said, I need somebody and I turned my back or I ignored that call. uh, I I just thought that that would be the most horrible thing that I can imagine and I I remember praying to God and saying, Lord, I, I don't ever wanna be that guy. I don't wanna be the guy that is standing there when you say, I need someone. Uh, Equip me, strengthen me, give me the courage to to always be willing to step up. Uh, And and that has happened very many times in my life. Uh, I was 22 years or so into public education uh, and I had retired at 28 years in public education. Uh, Toward the end of that 28 years, I served as an elder uh, in Hill Country Bible Church Leander Um, uh, My wife and I were part of the founding people that started that church and and I found myself there Uh, but uh, in about 2010 I found myself completely retired from public education and About two years into that retirement uh, I started journaling and saying Lord is that it? 28 years and I'm done? I put a lot of time and effort into building the craft that I have. And so is that it? Well, within about six months of that journaling, I find myself as principal of Burnett High School. and, And we moved to Burnett. And I felt like, Lord, I think I've got three to five years in me. We got a lot of work to do here. And I feel like I've got three to five years in me. Well about year number four he said, you're done, we, we've got who's next. You were able to hire the guy who could be the next guy, my very, the very first person I hired. And he said, that guy can take over. We're ready, you're, you're done. I've, uh, I've lived my purpose through you on this particular job. Uh, so I retired again. And I'm in my second retirement now And we go through a a rather traumatic time here as a church, and this is about three years ago. It's coming up on three years ago. And we go through a difficult time, and we've got some staff members who've left. And I remember sitting on the outside watching and going, there's not enough people to get the work done. There's ministries that are going to suffer if we don't get some more people back in here. And I remember praying to God saying, Lord, where, where do you need me? What do you want me to do? What, what can I do? I, I was already helping with men's Bible study, and certainly that was a given. I'm going to keep doing that, but uh, we don't have enough bodies around here to make this ministry all work, and so what do you need of me? And a few weeks rocked along with me continuing to pray God, to God about that, and finally I came to this point when much like Gideon In the Old Testament Gideon says if you want me to do that then I'm gonna lay this fleece out in front of you and and one morning I want it dry on the fleece and wet on the ground and then I want it wet on the fleece and dry on the ground he laid a test before the Lord and I'm not a real big guy on testing the Lord I think I've learned over the years you don't do that and uh, but I did say Lord If you need me to step in and do something more than I'm doing now, I need to hear my name. A few days later, Scott calls me and he says, hey, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just up here at the airport. I'm working on an airplane. He said, can I come talk? And I went, sure. And Scott comes up to talk. And after about an hour of just him sharing and talking, uh, the old principal brain in my head kicks off. And I said, so we need people. You need help. Has there been any discussion about that? And he goes, yeah, the elders and I have been talking. And, and we've got a couple of people that we think could really step in and help us. And one of those is Mark Kincaid. <laughs> I went, oh, nice. Yeah, good. <laughs> he didn't know about the fleece I'd laid before the Lord. And, and my head goes, <sighs> about to explode. And I'm wondering, uh, what does that look like? So Scott goes on his way, and over the next few days, uh, talked to Cheryl a little bit, and, and kept praying about it. And um, finally, I, I came in, and it was on a Good Friday, and we'd had the Good Friday service, and I came up, and Scott's up here finishing up and, and uh, closing up his stuff, and everybody's leaving, and I walked right there, and I said, hey, we need to talk. And he goes, oh, okay. And I went, no. Remember the conversation we had? He went, yeah, and I said, we need to talk. So I come in on Monday morning and I say, I, I'm yours. God says, I, I need to fill a role. And he said, okay. Well, about two days later, I'm sitting in the staff meeting and, and I've been named the, the area pastor for Burnet. Nothing like that ever crossed my mind that that would be something that I would do. But you remember my prayer 15 years ago, I don't ever wanna be the guy that doesn't step up into the gap. So I stepped into the gap uh, to serve as area pastor. And uh, about seven months into that, Pastor Ira, our executive pastor says, you know, I'm going to retire. I want to spend time with my beautiful bride and we're going to travel. And so he says, I'm going to retire. And COVID hits right about the same time. And we look around and we go, yeah, we don't need to be adding any new people. We, we can't add new people right now. And so Jeremy takes a piece of Ira's responsibilities and I take a piece of Ira's responsibilities. And so our roles change in the midst of what we thought was all nice and lined out. and We were gonna go do these things. And, and God says, yeah, yeah, you guys thought you had a plan. I got a different plan. So I knew coming in that uh, it, it wasn't gonna be a long-term deal. I mean, I've retired twice. Uh, and I thought, you know, I, I, don't, I don't look at this as a long-term thing for me. Uh, but Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do for as long as you want me to do it. Fast forward to last summer and, and Scott is uh, doing a series. And in that series, he says, I want you to take the armor of God. And we had the little red flyers. And he said, I want you to pray through that armor of God. Uh, prayer every morning or just sometime during the day pray through that and he said you're going to be surprised at what you hear that God might give you and I'd already begun to ask God "How, how long, what am I going to do where does this end or does it end or what's going on and I began to pray that prayer every morning I had it on my bathroom mirror and I would stand up and I'd brush my teeth and read that prayer and I'd pray that prayer and one morning in the midst of that prayer, I heard May. And this was back in the summer, late summer and I heard May. What's, what's May? You'll be done in May, was the next thing I heard. And so I came back and I sat with Scott and talked to him and I said, you know, I've, I've told you now for several weeks, I felt like something's going on and I don't know what that looks like, but God just told me May that I'll be done in May. And uh, so we talked that through, and immediately we began to think about, okay, what does that look like if Mark is gone in May? We still have roles to fill around here, things to do. And and it fell right at the right timing for us to be able to talk to the elders at the annual elder retreat in, in October. Uh, and so it was like, you know, fellas... I think my time is done here. God's saying may. Uh, So what do we do? And where do we go? Well, it wasn't long uh, in any of this conversation before it was like, we got the next guy. Let's change roles a little bit. And instead of calling them area pastors, because Jeremy and I would bleed over and do things regardless of what area we were in, Let's just call these guys associate pastors. And let's go back to the structure where we have two associate pastors and an executive pastor. Um, I'm not ashamed to tell you that it takes a lot to be the chief operations officer around this place, to keep the HR running, the finances and all. It takes a lot. It's not something you can split up and, and do a good job of shepherding and leading people and keep the business running too. So it was like, it's obvious it needs to change. So um, I, I am gonna, gonna retire in May. Scott keeps saying May 32nd, uh, but uh, I failed at retirement twice. And I really believe this time, the third time I'm gonna make it work. I've got three wonderful grandchildren. Uh, God has blessed us in the last year or so to, to buy a piece of property. We are not going anywhere. Uh, we're not leaving the town, we're, this is home for us, um, and we're going to keep working here. I've, I've talked to the guys, and I said, I want to keep working with men's ministry and in the, in the men's Bible studies, so I'm going to keep doing that, and, and until somebody else goes to Haiti five times, I guess I'm going to still keep working with Haiti, uh, as long as Jeremy wants me to, I guess. Sir. But We began to talk through all those things, and in those conversations, we said, we know the guy, we have the guy, and we know who can become the next associate pastor, and you know him too, and that's Michael Barnard. Come here, Michael. So we came to Michael and we said, Michael, we we think you ought to be the next associate pastor. And he went, uh, I like youth. I like doing what I'm doing. I don't necessarily, I'm not looking for something else. Well, you need to pray about it. And what are you going to do whenever the old guy in the office goes, yeah, it's your next step, young man. And then when eight elders or seven elders go, "Uh, it's your next step, young man. I don't know how you say no. But he and Amy uh, prayed through that, and Michael's going to begin serving as our next associate pastor uh, to take that spot that that I took as the burning area. So he's going to step into that role and begin serving there. Well, all of you know he's our youth pastor. Well, you don't take a thriving youth ministry and stop it. You can't do that. And we began to go, well, who would be the next youth pastor? What are we going to do there? Well, there was a guy that was on staff here serving as the, as the associate youth pastor uh, when I first came on board. And life had led him to, to do some other activities and, and pursue maybe some other career opportunities, but he never left our church. And his wife continued to serve as a volunteer. And I'm telling you, Uh, The guy is a kid magnet. Uh, He just is. And so you saw him on the screen a while ago, and that's Kevin uh, Flegel is going to begin serving as our new youth pastor. I want you to come up, because your head isn't that big. It just looked big on the screen. That's all it was abnormally small head. Um, so we wanted to be sure that you could put names and faces together this morning. Uh, they're gonna, you're going to hear more from both of them in about two weeks, but the conduit reaches to Michael, to Kevin, and it's an uninterrupted conduit. They're ready for their next role that God has for them. They've prepared over the years, and it's time And and I'm just grateful that I've had the opportunity and the the God-given wisdom to know when I need to move and what I need to do in my life to serve Him better in each particular role He's walked me through. And these two men are ready to step up and serve in the next capacity. So thank you guys.
1: It's because Kevin has such a big brain. I love y'all. Oh, yeah, y'all going to hear more from them. And, uh, of course, uh, Kevin and Shelby having a baby in uh, three weeks? Yeah. Three weeks having a baby? Wow. Yeah. Michael and Amy, they've, you know, they got three in a hurry. Uh, <laughs> but, wow, what a, what, a blessed, what a blessed life we, we live here. Um, and uh, I'm just excited for what God has for us. Uh, and, and your part in that February 5th uh, Vision and Values workshop? Is actually going to go a long way. One of the things that Michael will be uh, taking on is to take a lot of what we decide in there as a church family and then formulating it uh, in a way that helps us to reach those who don't know Jesus, uh, those who have disconnected themselves from Jesus, those who are moving and looking for a life-giving fellowship. Uh, he's going to take that, he's going to begin to formulate that and make that something that we can then just walk out as a, a church body. So we want you there for that. We also want you praying as Michael takes that uh, on his plate uh, there. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to discovering purpose in our role, it really is living in a way that just looks at the Father and then just says, I'm, I'm going to be a yes man, I'm going to be a yes woman, I'm going to be a yes son. I'll be a yes daughter. What you ask of me, I'm going to do with all my heart, with passion and with purpose and knowing that it's all about bringing glory to God. Jesus um, talks about, about purpose in life and fruit and sustenance in John 15. Uh, and, and he's basically telling us in this passage, very famous one about the vine and the branches. A lot of you have Uh, read it or you know it and and in this passage he says this in verse four of of John fifteen Remain in me and I will remain in you for branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing and then on down in verse nine he says I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. His disciples were feeling a little bit nervous at this moment, a little uneasy. They're about to be uprooted, at least they thought they were. So Jesus paints them a picture here of this new life as a flourishing vineyard together. One vine, many branches working together to produce fruit. The branches don't need the fruit. People need the fruit. So if you want to find purpose in your role, it's stay attached to the vine, but then also make sure you have other good vines around you. That's the point of it all. We do this life not as lone rangers or solo artists. We do it as branches attached to one vine Together producing this amazing fruit so that a lost world will be not not only drawn to the fruit but also benefit from it. Glory to God for the grapes we produce and a blessing to the people for the grapes they get to feast on. That's how we find purpose in our role is by looking to him. I'm going to ask you to stand right now and we're going to sing three songs. and And the first song we're going to sing is, God I look to you. You're where my help comes from. And if I look to you, nothing will ever overwhelm me. Nothing will ever defeat me if I continue to look to you. And so we're going to pray right now. And during these songs, the the altars are going to be open. If you need to come up and just have a time with the Lord or, or just let something go or just ask him for something, you come up and do that. Or if you want to do that where you are, that's fine too. But I'm going to ask you right now that you would take time during these songs, especially this first one, where you say, Lord, help me to truly live in a way that looks to you and is fully satisfied in you. And with that, I'll always be able to say where my help comes from, and I'll live in a way where I know that I know that I know that nothing can overwhelm me. Let's go, to the Lord, in prayer as we, as we worship. Lord, I, I thank you that we can look to you, that we can know where our help comes from, that we can feel uh, confident, In you all the time I thank you that that you're for us it's an amazing thing to take in the Creator God the designer of it all the one who has everything in his hands all-powerful that you're for me you're for every son and daughter in this room and I pray that there's anybody listening or watching or here who's never made a decision to to follow you to call you King and Savior Jesus to, to place their life in, in your life and to take your life as their own. That they would make that decision right now, knowing there's a God who's designed me and He wants me to be fulfilled. He wants me to always have a, a purpose to live out that brings Him glory and blesses my own life. That there's someone in here who's lost and in need of a Savior who's a solo artist in need of a a king to follow, they'd say, would you save me, God? And they would know they're saved because all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved.
0: Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.